0: In these uncertain days, there is a person who offers peace. His name is Jesus. People from all walks of life are gathering in his house to hear from him. It's time for you to join the movement. Take your Bible and turn with me to Acts chapter 14 this morning. You see, there are times in our lives... When that I think you agree with this, when when there are moments, we, we know the the movement of God in our lives is not just a moment over a lifetime, there are moments in our lives that we make decisions that later on we look back and realize that they had a bigger effect than we thought. Anybody agree with that? That they were just they were bigger in the moment than we thought that they were I'm I'm reading a book with a couple of guys right now Uh, I call it the Titus 10 where that the author of the book says this that everything has a ripple effect think about this for a moment when in the garden when Adam chose to be silent and allow Eve to come uh, excuse me Satan to come in that moment and to attack Eve and when she fell the ripple effect caused this all of us to be broken anybody agree with that So there was an effect that still affects us today. And praise be unto God, when Jesus Christ came and went to the cross, there was the ripple effect, and it still is today for all who believe in Him as Lord and Savior. So today, we come as we look back to a moment in our history that you and I can watch the fight at their door and be able to say because they did the right thing at the door, you and I can win every battle that we face So, which translates like this if you and I don't get that same fight right in our own lives, then what happens in the ripple effect for people around us is that they won't get it right. As one pastor said this way eternity is far too long to be wrong. Is that true? Eternity is far too long to be wrong. So with that said, let me dive into the text. The Bible says, chapter 14, verse 24. The Bible says, then they passed through Pasetta. That is, that is Paul and Barnabas. Remember, they were on mission as they were taking the gospel to the nations. They came to Pamphylia, And when they had spoken the word in Perga, they went down to Atela. And from there they sailed to Antioch. You say, well, what's the benefit in that? Here's what it says. Where they had been commended to the grace of God for the work that they had fulfilled. Now, in my Bible, you can't see it. They may be able to camera in. But I I vertically wrote this word in my Bible right here, home. They were home. You see, they'd been out on on a movement of God, and now they were coming back. I don't know about you, but, boy, I love to go home. Now, home is where Sherry is, home is where my family is, and home is with you in the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. I love to be home because there's peace in our home because of Jesus Christ, but I realize today that for some of you, and maybe for many watching online, that that maybe right now there is a fight at your door, or maybe there's a fight in your heart. I don't know where you are in your life, David, but I'll tell you this, that I live in a city that for many people, they are in hell's kitchen. I'm living in a county and I'm living in a state and I'm living in a nation and I'm living in a world where that it is hell's kitchen. But I've got good news for you that in my home we know the right thing and the right thing is Jesus Christ. And because we are a part of a movement of God, we have the ability to feed hell when it comes to the door, when it comes inside the door, and we have the answer for the hell in the world. Can I get an amen in the house of God? So this was the New Testament church, and the Bible says they gathered together when they came back. Can you imagine the the praise reports? Can you imagine the reports that that must have been given? It must have been mission night. When I, when I first came to Jackson uh, 10 years ago, we were only doing one mission per year outside the church. We were going to Honduras, and I can remember on Sunday night when they'd get back, everybody would be there, and nothing wrong, it was a great time. Everybody on the team, Miss Bonnie, would get up and say a little something about what they did. I purposed in my heart that we would become a church that not just one weekend a year, but every weekend, all 52 and 365 days a year, that we would be Be a people of the church that would always be on mission. And can I tell you, nine and a half years later, there's never a week or mostly never a day when the sun goes down that this church is not out there ministering to the Lord. And I just want to give the Lord a praise this morning that this church is, is leading the way. And I thank you for you in all that you do locally, nationally, and globally. So imagine as they gather together, look what verse 27 says, And when they arrived... And they gathered the church together. The Scripture says here, they they reported how that God had opened a door of faith to the Gentiles. Now think about this for just a moment. That in your life sometimes you do things and you feel like you're not progressing. But in the reality that if you would see the ripple effect, it's bigger than you realize When Paul would come to the end of his life, look on the screen, he would write these particular words. I have fought, say it with me, the good fight, finish it with me, I have finished the race, I have kept the faith. Now that's going to be you someday. I have confidence about you in the Lord Jesus Christ. But Paul said this, that at the end of his life, he said, I have fought a good fight. Now, back in the book of Acts, he, he was telling them of all that God had done. So, so here's a question for us. You don't have to answer it out loud. Here it is. Look at us it. on the screen. Are you currently in some type of fight? Are you right now, maybe in your job, maybe in your calling, maybe in your body, maybe in your mind, maybe with people around you? There's never a moment, my friend that there's not hell in the hallway, there's never a moment that there's not a fight somewhere. You say, yeah, I come to church because I don't want to know about that. Well, when you come to church, you should want to know how you could have victory, correct? And so the Bible says here in chapter 14, reminding us of the history of the church, that when they got back from the first journey, they told all that God did. Now think about it, when they were Lister, Paul got stoned to death. Wherever he went, there was battles. But he didn't talk about the the pain of the battle. He talked about the prize of the battle. He talked about the prize of what God did and where God was taking. Can I help you to turn your frown upside down today? To turn it upside down today and to know this, that because of Christ that you are winning a battle. And the Bible says here that the door was open. Now think about the door for a moment. When you walked in, how many doors did you walk through to get in here? You say, what do you mean? When you got out of your car, you opened the door, did you not? That's one. You came up the steps, if you entered the front way, you went through one door. But how many doors are there? There's six doors out there. If you chose to go into the bathroom, one of these places in the front, you had to go through another doorway, the door may have been open, and you went into the bathroom, that's four, and then you came out of the bathroom and walked in the sanctuary, that's five, five literal doors before you sat down in a seat, and some of you have got a door right in front of you right now, spiritually, that's keeping you from opening up to what God wants you to do. Others of you are just wide open with God, and you walk through a another door. You say, what do you mean? Jesus said, look on the screen. I love this. Jesus spiritually, metaphorically says this, I am the what? If anyone enters by me, he will be and will go in and out and find pastor. Jesus and, and John 10 told the story to these little people who didn't know who he was and reject him. He said, if you're going to get to heaven, I'm the entry point. I'm the way that you're going to get into him. I am literally the door. And so watch this. When Paul and Barnabas came back to the home church, they're saying, listen to me. Gentiles believed in Jesus. They came to know him as their Lord and Savior. Their lives have been forever changed because of Christ. So let me ask you this. Did you lead anybody to the door this week? Have you led anybody to the door? Have you led them up to that moment in time where the, that you can tell them about the God that we believe? You say, Keith, who is the God that we believe in? I'm glad you asked that question. The early church fathers believed this about Jesus, and I'm quoting, though He was the Son of God, He formed Himself into a body like ours. Even though He appeared as one of the sheep, yet He remained our shepherd. He was esteemed a servant, yet He did not renounce His sonship. He was carried about in the womb of Mary, yet He was clothed with the nature of His Father. He walked on the earth, but He filled heaven." He appeared as an infant, but He did not discard His eternal nature. He was invested with a body, but did not limit His divinity. He was esteemed poor, yet He was divested of His riches. He needed nourishment but because He was a man, yet He did not cease to nourish the entire world because He's God. He was everything by His unchangeable nature. He was nailed to a tree, yet He was the Lord of all things. That's who our Lord is. That's the God that I serve. But you see, the problem is we live in a world today that struggles with this reality. Hell is real, but Jesus Christ came as our answer to that. And so what happens is this, they're telling everybody that, that Jesus saves. Now watch the Bibles in verse 28, and they remain no little while with the disciples. Verse 5, chapter 15, verse 1, but there's so many buts in the world But some men came down from Judea, and they were teaching the brothers, unless you are circumcised according to the custom of Moses, here it is, you cannot be saved. Now, friend, listen to me. There was a fight that was coming to the church that came to the door of the church. Just walking through it with me, three facts about the fight. Number one is this, there were two sides to the fight. There were two sides to the fight. Some of them said this, that Jesus is enough. This was the fight. Now think about it. If someone came up to you and gave you an ultimatum, if someone came up to you and gave you the, the absolute, now being a, a good American, as many of you are, that no, ain't nobody going to tell you what to do. Is that right? No amens right there. God, you know it to be the truth. That people in America to say, I'm an American. People died for me so I could believe what I want to believe and do what I want to do. I believe in freedom as well. But I also believe in this, that Jesus said he was the way. While they're there in the church and celebrating, we find later on in the chapter, chapter 15, there was a group of Pharisees that came up there on their own, not authorized by the church, and they began to say this, Jesus is God, He, He is the way, but we believe this, that you need to add this to it. So for them, they would say this, notice this, Jesus is not enough. So that means this, that the guy in Acts chapter 14 that we read about last week, remember, he had, he had the faith to be saved. And, and, and the Bible said that Paul said to him, he said, stand up, that that wasn't true. That must mean too that, that Jesus who went to the cross and died, was buried and rose again, that that was not enough. So, friend, let me ask you this today. What are you trusting in as far as your life? When hell will come to the door, when life comes to an end, what will you be trusting in? The New Testament church trusted in the Lord Jesus Christ. But listen to me. There are some times that there are things that you fight about that you don't need to fight about. I can name so many things right now that many of us are arguing about and wasting our time about. But in my life, there are three things that I'll always fight you over. Number one is this, my faith. If you ever tell me there's some other way than Jesus Christ, if you ever tell me that this book is not the Word of God, and we need to do something, that man, you're going to fight. Because Jesus gave His blood for this faith that we have. If you ever come against my family, and you are part of my family, we are going to fight. If you ever come, listen to me, against the freedom that we have in this country to be able to worship, I'm going to come against that. But the other things are non-essential to me. So well, the color of the carpet, when, when we, we change the car- color of the carpet, you know what, you, you say, Keith, how did you vote? I didn't. It didn't matter to me as long as we had carpet, amen? As the color of the chairs, it didn't matter to me. As long as we had a place to sit where that you could comfortably be here in the house of God, it did not matter to me. And some of the things that we do around here are non-essential. Well, there things that I do? I like, maybe not. But there's a, three things that we do around here that I'll always live and die for, that we'll preach the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ, that we'll be a core value people, and we will give our lives for the sake of other people, and we'll fight for that because what they fought for Now, you say, Pastor, what do you mean? Well, here's what the Scripture says. And after Paul and Barnabas had no small dissension. Now, that was a kind way to put that but Dr. Luke. They had a fight. But they were fighting for a good thing, and it became so intense that they chose to send a delegation up to Jerusalem. And the Scripture says, now notice in verse number 4, when they came to Jerusalem, they were welcomed by the church and the apostles and the elders, and they declared all that had been done with them. But some believers, now watch this, some believers who belonged to the party of the Pharisees, now these were people who had followed Christ, rose up and said, it is necessary to circumcise them and order them to keep the law of Moses. Now think about this for a moment. These people, secondly, they were sincere in their hearts. In their beliefs, they were sincere. They were two viewpoints, and both viewpoints are sincere. So they gathered together, and they had this long debate about that. Now, there was a day in my life when I was sheltered and dumb. I'm just dumb now. I'm not sheltered anymore, my brothers and sisters. When I just could not understand how somebody could genuinely reject Jesus Christ. Anybody else? Just couldn't understand how I could be until I began to travel in ministry and, and some of the places that we go. For example, if you grew up in a home that believed in Allah, and if you read the uh, read the Quran, some parts of the Quran talk about the evil of Christianity and how the Christians should die. And if you grew up around that and were told all of your life have nothing to do with Christ, let me ask you this, what would you believe? Now watch, some people are sincere in their belief, but they are sincerely wrong. Now think about this. This was a, the fight of all fights. Had they rolled over in that moment, you know what we would have today? The first church of circumcision. If they had rolled over, and can I tell you this today, that many denominations have been founded over an argument that they had with someone else, and because of that, they began their own work. You say, well, why are we Baptists? Have you ever really researched why we're Baptists? We are Baptists because during the time of the Reformation... There was a group of guys that realized this that infant baptism uh, did not save you and that you're saved by the Lord Jesus Christ and even though Martin Luther had preached by grace alone he was still baptizing infants and there began to be a group of people they call them anti-baptists Anabaptist. Why? Because they believed that you had to get baptized as a testimony of your faith after your salvation. So do you know what our dear friend Martin Luther and others around him did? They began to baptize and hold them under and to kill people. And so our forefathers began to take their stand. And that's just a very quick, quick overview. And the reality is that we were birthed Out of the blood trail of our forefathers dying because we said this, that baptism does not save you, but it's the testimony of what Christ has done in our lives. That's how we begin. And you say, I did not know that. And so today, when we say we are Baptists, it now becomes to be a negative term. Can I get an amen? It has become to be a negative term. And here's why. Because of all of the corruption that takes place in many places. So you say, Pastor, are you preaching change in the name? I'm not preaching that at all. I'm preaching this, that we are Christians first. And well, the reason that we are Baptists is because we believe in the apostles' doctrine. We believe in the Baptist faith and message that teaches us the Word of God. That's why we are who we are. And we, we support the Cooperative program. We support the North American Mission Board. But that other junk, we don't support. There's one amen, two amens, the rest of you are like, I ain't got a clue what you're talking about. This church stands on the Word of God. And I want to tell you today that you are in a place that we believe with all of our heart that both sides are sincere in every argument. I want to tell you this, that this president, the one before him and the one before that, they are sincere in all that they say and believe. They are pushing their agenda, but many times they are in the darkness and not in the light. So they had this debate together. Now think about this. We believe what Jesus said in, in Revelation 3 and 20. Notice it. Behold, Jesus says, I stand at the door and what? The door of your heart. See, the truth is that many people are sincerely wrong, and I, sh- I hopefully I'll get some emails from you this week that'll be saying, I don't agree with some of that. Well, knock at my door. My door is Pastor Eric. He'll say, Pastor Eric, right on my office door. <laughs> And so you say, wait a minute, that's somebody. No, no, I'm kidding. You can knock on my door and schedule a time because I want us to be enlightened in who God wants us to be. I want us to be cooperative in the fact that we're trying to reach people. Here's what Jesus said. If anyone hears what? My voice. and opens the door. So watch. There was a door into this building. Then there's a door into your heart. And there's a door into heaven. Anybody can come into this building, and anybody can sit here, but let me ask you this, who has access to your heart? See, Jesus Christ came into my heart and my life in 1974. John 15 and 15 says, I did not choose him, but he chose me. He chose me that I would go forth and bear fruit unto righteousness, and because of that, listen, I'm just like the early church in the fact that that's a fight worth having. And so now watch this. The future of the church was at stake. This is our third truth. The future was at stake. You may not realize it. Verse 6 says, The apostles and elders gathered together. i got to go quicker now. Verse number 7, And there was much debate. And our brother Peter stood up. He stood up, and he was one of the apostles, and said to them, Brothers... You know that in the early days, God made a choice among you that by my mouth, the Gentiles should hear the word of the gospel. And what does it say? And believe. If you'll turn back with me to Acts chapter 10, I I want you to see this for just a moment. You got to see what went on. In Acts chapter 10, if you look in verse 34, there was a group of Gentiles down in Caesarea that that had had heard that there there was the gospel, and they'd sent word, and, and the Bible said they gathered the whole house full, and Peter came, and here's what he said in verse 34. So Peter opened his mouth and said, truly, I understand that God shows no partiality. How many are you glad for that? no partiality, but in every nation, anyone who fears him and does what is right is acceptable to him. And as for the word that he sent to Israel, he preached good news of peace through through who? Jesus Christ. He is Lord of all. You yourselves know what happened through all Judea, beginning from Galilee, after the baptism that John proclaimed, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power. He went out doing good, and healing all who were oppressed by the devil, for God was with him. And we are witnesses of all that he did, both in the country of the Jews and in Jerusalem. They put him to death by hanging him on a tree. How many of you are with me so far? Now notice, but God raised Him on the third day and made Him appear. Now notice, not to all the people, but to us who have been chosen by God as witnesses. In other words, Peter is saying, the Jews heard it first. They, they, they obeyed the Jewish law because it, it distinguished them from the world. They, the men were circumcised. The testimony, they were separated and different. They lived their life according to the law of God. They couldn't keep it. It pointed them to their need of a Savior. But he said, but then Jesus came. Jesus came to complete what the law could not. And notice this. Verse 41, they, He was raised, raised from the dead. We ate with Him and we drank with Him. Verse 42, And He commanded us to preach to the people and testify that, now watch, He is the one, one door, friend, appointed by God, to be judge of the living and the dead. To Him all the prophets bear witness that everyone who believes in Him receives forgiveness of sins through His name. See, that's the fight we have here in Jackson. No matter your color, no matter your past, no matter where your present is, that if you'll come to the Lord Jesus Christ and see your need of Him as Lord and Savior because He is God, because He is man, He is the sufficient payment for your sin. If you believe that, that God will wipe away all your sins by His blood, that's who He is. We're seeing people from all walks of life come to Christ and their lives forever altered by Him. And so that's what they believed. And that was the battle. If you go back to chapter 16, you'll see it again. And the Bible says here in verse 8, And God, who knows their heart, bore witness to them by giving them the Holy Spirit, just as He did to us. And He made no distinction between us and them, having cleansed their hearts. And here it is, by faith. Now therefore, why are you putting God to the test? By placing a yoke on their necks of the disciples that neither we or our fathers could be able to bear. Verse 11, here's the gospel in a nutshell. But we believe that we will be saved through the grace of the Lord Jesus just as they will. Man, they got all cranked up. They fell silent. The Bible says that Paul and Barnabas got up and began to give testimony after testimony after testimony. Do you know? That on Wednesday night, this past week, over 80 people filled this sanctuary to be trained in how to go out and do this very thing. 80 people committed that every day for the next 21 days. That they would go out and say, God, as you give opportunity, I'll present the gospel. I'm already hearing stories of people that are presenting that gospel. Paul and Barnabas told the story. They fell even more silent. And listen to me in verse 13, and they finished, James began to reply, that's a half-brother Jesus, the leader of the church in Jerusalem. Brothers, listen to me. Simon has related how God first visited the Gentiles to take from them a people for his name. And with this word, the prophets agree, just as it is written. After this, I will return, and I will rebuild the tent of David that has been fallen. I will rebuild its ruins, and I will restore it. Now here it is, that the remnant, of mankind may seek the Lord and all the Gentiles who are called by my name, says the Lord who made of these things known from of old. Therefore my judgment is that we should not trouble those of the Gentiles who turn to God. You should have shouted right there. You should, maybe it's my fault, maybe I haven't communicated it correctly, but you should have shouted that they stood up for him. There are four things you say, well, how do we take away from this? Number one is this, stop causing hell at the door. Like, whoa. Young parents, I hope you will correctly interpret that. What does that mean? Stop keeping people from getting saved. They had gone into Antioch and began to say that this is not enough. You've got to do this. So, friend, let me say this to you today. For the sake of your own soul, find out how to be saved. Find out that Jesus is the way. For the sake of other people, remove those things that are the obstructions from the door. The things that keep people. Is there anything in your heart right now that's caused you not to witness to your neighbor? Stop causing hell at the door. Is there unforgiveness in your heart that's causing you right now to bypass somebody that desperately needs the Lord Jesus Christ? Is there something in your life now that's causing someone else? We as a church do every week, do our best, we fail sometimes, to remove those things that will keep people from coming to the Lord Jesus Christ. The second thing I would say this is, show grace to people at the door. You say, what do you mean? Look what he says here. We should write to them to abstain from things polluted by idols and from sexual immorality and from that which is strangled from blood. You say, what in the world were they talking about in this moment? The truth is that those who had just come to Christ were babes in faith. And because they were babes in faith, when they looked at the things that were being eaten, they saw that in the church that so some of them had gone to the market and, and bought things that, that had been given to an idol. But since the idol was dead, 1 Corinthians tells us, they'd take it to the market, the idol, the priest of those gods, and, and they would sell it, and they were buying it, and it was offending them. So what is it that we need to show grace about? I don't know for you. I know in my own life. They were also this that, that they were to be a people that were to from sexual immorality. It is still yet the, the number one vice in our world today that young men's eyes are attracted to the to people that, that show themselves. And so we as the church are a separated people. Do you understand that? We're to be a people. I've been married for 31 and a half years, known one woman for 31 and a half years. I've been faithful to that one woman because it's the picture of Christ in his church. And the truth of the reality is that we must be a people that show grace to people at the door by being people who said Jesus has really changed my life, and I've entered behind the door. And because I've come through the door, Brother Jimmy, I'm not who I used to be. I am different in the Lord Jesus Christ. And I'm telling you today, those of you that maybe have been married three or four times that you don't know how to live your life, come and follow my Jesus. For He'll give peace to your life and a purpose to your life. He'll give identity to your life. He can take no matter what you're in right now and give you the grace and mercy that you need. And lastly, did what they not say? Don't eat anything that's been strangled. In other words, don't eat anything that would offend the Jewish people. There are things that we just don't do. Some people have the debate about alcohol. You say, what do you think about alcohol? I think I don't want it. You say, why? Because I had three family members on my dad's side that either died of alcoholism or tragic accidents because of it. I don't want it in my house. I don't want it around me. I won't be around it. If you have a party and you're, even if you even if you have a marriage party and you serve wine, I'm not going to be there. Now, if you want to have that at yours, have it. There's over 100 references in the Bible that talks about the evil of drinking. You say, now, preacher, you get, you're getting in the non essentials. They are. If you want to have wine with your meal, that's your business. That's your business. That's your freedom. But in America, if you drink alcohol anyway, what's it say to a lost person? Not getting any amen. Brother Michael, you may need to help me get out here at the end of this service. I'm just telling you today, for the sake of other people, There are many things that you could have freedom to do. Paul said, I want to be all things to all people that I might win some. The goal is not I get to do what I want to do. The goal is to get to do what God's called me to do. And there's too much hell at the door of other people's house for me to mess around with things that I don't need to be messing around with. You know what they did? They sent a word back now. And when they sent word back, they sent other disciples with him. And when Paul and Barnabas got back to the city of Antioch and told them what they decided, you know what they did? They just broke out in rejoicing. So what would you do, Keith? I wouldn't cause hell to anybody's door. I'd show grace at the door. But you know what I would also do is I would start spending my life growing in my knowledge of the one who's at the door. You say, Keith, why? Why? I can tell you why if you, if you look at what happened in Hawaii, and Maui, the, the island this past two weeks. They've been over 100 confirmed dead, and most likely there's well over 1,000 they still have not been able to find. And they said this, that people died in one of three ways. They either died from the fire, or they died from the smoke inhalation inside of their lungs, or they jumped in the ocean and couldn't swim and they died. The debate is, is whether or not they did right by sounding alarm or not sounding an alarm. And they said they did not sound the alarm because they did not want to cause all, the, all of the islands to, uh, think, to think maybe that there was a tsunami or something coming so, because that was what that was particularly for. But people are saying, well, why didn't you sound it also for this? I don't know that debate, but I know this, that it was not just the responsibility of the government. Because people have more than a body, they have a soul. Do they not? And every soul is somewhere when they die and there's only two places. The usher through the doorway into heaven or the doorway into hell. Jesus died so that you would never have to go through that doorway. And we as a church are called by God to know Jesus so well and so intimately with Him that everybody that you meet You're going to say, can I tell you about my friend? But lastly and finally, I want to say this to you. If you're without Christ, open the door for the one who's knocking on your door. Thank you for joining the movement. We hope that you would reach out to us at info at jacksonfbc.com with your questions and check out more of our ministries at jacksonfbc.com.